pullover. Lean in. It's time for the Soft Shoulder Podcast. I am your host, Danette Relic of Radical Creative Sanctuary, inviting spaciousness for your mind and your heart. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. The Soft Shoulder is your time. Your time to slow down and fuel up on self-love support so you can make the most of your gorgeous life. Join me here. Everyone needs a soft shoulder. Hello, sweet listener. Thanks for coming back. This is the final episode of the Soft Shoulder Podcast of 2019. And so I want to thank you, all of you, longtime listeners, first time listeners, welcome. Um, I want to thank you for being here. Time is our most precious non-renewable resource. And um, I know you have a limited amount. You choosing to spend this time with me, you choosing to spend your self-love, self-care time here at the Soft Shoulder means the world to me. I am thrilled with your feedback that I bring comfort and laughs and company. Um, That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing it is to create that space. I mentioned in a episode long ago about how podcasts played a special role in my life when I was going through something really difficult. I had just discovered podcasts. This is many, many, many years ago. And it was just, I would hold on to the voices of the podcasts I was listening to, like I was holding on to a life raft and I would just ride transit, go for walks, do whatever, but I just needed to listen to someone else for a little while while I was so lost in myself. And um, it really was a lifesaver. It was an incredible time and I cherished it so much. And so to be here, to be a possible life raft for any of you or just some company on a good drive, um, I appreciate it so much. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Thank you for making this soft shoulder possible. Um, I was thinking about, of course, um, the end of this year. You may have heard it's also the end of a decade. I don't know. Have you? (laughs) Has it been rammed down your throat? Um, This uh, 10 years, 10 years, what have you been doing 10 years ago? Uh, You know, all this stuff. So I have mixed feelings about this. I do love any opportunity to rebirth myself. I feel like I'm doing it constantly, but I love these collective moments of Uh, reflecting and thinking ahead. I do think you can also do this anytime. And I think it's really lovely when there's a collective energy around new beginnings. It might help things feel a little more possible. And I know for many people, this is an unenjoyable um, phenomenon that's going on. You know, just all of this talk about the last 10 years, making comparisons, Uh, depending on where you were and where you are, these comparisons might not be celebratory. They might be difficult to revisit. So I'm just sending tons of love to you, wherever you are in this and know that uh, with the theme of today's that (laughs) your to don't list, um, I'm just really going to invite you to just 
pick and choose. You get to choose. I say that a lot, actually. Um, You're the one who gets to choose this. You can choose what you're opting into, choose what you're opting out of. Um, It's okay. And you're not alone. You might be in the minority sometimes, or it would seem that way, um, but you're not. Um, Yeah. So anyhow, um, I was thinking about episodes to like, you know, how can I support people with their self-love at the end of a decade or the beginning of a decade? There's like, this is all these opportunities. I had a million ideas and then I was annoyed (laughs) with my own ideas. I was like, I'm, you know, um, have been managing very carefully and mindfully after the brain injury, uh, my attention, the amount of things in my inbox, the amount of things that I'm just processing and thinking about. I'm very mindful of that. My brain requires a lot of space. All of ours <laughs> brains require space, but I'm, you know, really needing to be mindful so I don't suffer the consequences of uh, blowing a gasket um, with overstimulation. So here I was, you know, coming up with all these ideas all of these very valuable things I could offer you to inspire you for the new year. Um, And uh, I was feeling exhausted. I was like, there's so many things to choose from. There's so many things out there already. Um, And what I was craving was simplicity again, craving gentleness. Uh, I did a post about gentleness on Instagram that got uh, quite a lot of love. And I think it's just really speaking to Um, you know, there's a lot of busyness around this time, a lot of flurry around this time. And, oh, just to push everything aside for a second to remember to be gentle with ourselves. Um, I think this is a a really important self-love practice, the one of self-compassion and remembering not to get too caught up with the flurry of the outside world, outside voices, outside people outside concepts and just really listen to you and what you need regardless of what special occasions are happening your needs are yours I was um, out for coffee with Allison Tarr of Tech Coven and I said uh, I forget why I said this but um, I said bad design creates an atmosphere of distrust and I said it with (laughs) a lot of passion I am very passionate about this topic. And what I was talking about specifically was, you know, when good design is not um, consistent as it isn't, there's a lot of poorly designed or just flat out irrelevant products and tools or things out there. Um, You know, I'm surprised when something is well designed and I get very excited about it because it's an experience, right? Like I think when we cut corners, um, for example, I got into a car, rental car years ago, and it was like everything was unintuitive. Like my body reached out to turn up the volume in a certain way. That was not the volume button. My my armrests were completely different. One was like three inches ahead of the other one. Like just it was I won't say the name of the car. Anyways, <laughs> I was just sitting there and I'm like everything in my body was sensing that this car was not designed for me. This car was not designed for a human body. Um, to feel at its most at ease. It was not really thinking about the human experience. It was probably, I don't know, it just didn't think about that element of it. It was probably thinking of like 
how do we save money on this thing? Or how do we shorten this thing, but not getting that the cost would be at the human end of that experience. So when a lot of things are like that, um, you know, it's like, I don't know, like, you know, this teapot should be spill proof. Because if a teapot knows anything, it's that I'm going to tip it over and pour hot water. And I don't think anyone wants hot water dripping all over the table, wasting your tea. However, I imagine you've had this experience where you pick up that teapot and it's dribbling and it's all over the place. So often I will now, if I'm in a coffee shop and I get a little teapot, I'm going to assume it's dribbling. I'll have my hand ready or I'll get extra napkins because it's just this, you know, random whack-a-mole of teapots of like, what, which ones are actually well-designed and which ones are not. Um, so I don't, you know, when I said it creates an atmosphere of distrust, I'm not trusting the teapot. <laughs> like, you could just spill water all over me. I don't know. I'm preparing for the worst case scenario. But wouldn't it be nice if all teapots were made so beautifully that they just didn't spill? That was the point. And they poured a beautiful cup of tea from the spout. It's possible. They exist out there, right? It just takes maybe a little more effort, I guess. But um, these things are important. (laughs) What does this have to do with the topic? This is why women freak out and have been freaking out now for a while when they put on a dress or a skirt and there's pockets. There's memes about this. If you are somebody who wears dresses, um, you know that uh, this is an exciting, relatively new thing. And the reason why it's so exciting is like you put your hands down and we just, we want pockets. Like our arms want pockets. (laughs) You put something on, you slide your hands like, oh my God, there's actually pockets here exactly where they should be, exactly the size I wanted them to be. And it's like, oh my God, it's just thrilling. (laughs) So this is like, good design, right? The body wanted that and it's exciting and it's wonderful and it fits and it's um, smooth and they're deep. They're not decorative. Like I can actually put a hand in there. I can actually put some change in there, like whatever it is. My phone, it's not going to slip out. It's not on a weird angle. Like that's an exciting moment. Um, <laughs> by the way, I've had headaches for days now. I'm on... Um, It doesn't matter. Many days, probably a week of some like pretty high symptoms going on. And this entire time so far, I've been thinking, should I just (laughs) re-record? I am not going to. Thank you for staying with me. Um, All of the, uh, all of the, um, what's it called? Turns, left turns, straying off of the map here. That's all included. It's all just part of the adventure. So, okay. Um, one last thing on this stuff. <laughs> I'm getting there. Um, I've mentioned also one of my favorite books is Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And, you know, this, this, this concept, the way he has, he's not the only one, but the way he presents this concept is like, you know, has me questioning all the time of when I bring something new into my life, is it enhancing it or is it creating more work for me? Is it creating more stress for me? Right. Um, you know, essentialism is defined as the disciplined pursuit of less. And he talks about, uh, the idea of less, but better. It's not just about less, it's less, but better. Right. So this is all tying in together about like, um, 
that less can be more, not because it's less, but just because it works. So imagine there's two people and they're daydreaming about um, what they would do with a, a large sum of money, right? They're people who maybe have like a moderate amount of money, they're getting by, but they're fantasizing about a life of wealth that's far greater from what they currently have. Currently, they're working at very hard at jobs where they're moderately compensated and, you know, they make enough to pay their rent for their apartments. Um, they're often tired. They work all day dealing with people, which they find exhausting. And then they come home to their apartments, which they think, you know, they're okay, but like it's a little small. And, you know, the apartments always seem to need cleaning because they're working long hours and they never have time to tidy because they come home, they're tired, they rush around packing lunches, cooking, doing laundry, and then they're exhausted. And then they, you know, go back to bed and they wish they weren't working all the time. So they're fantasizing about like how money could solve this problem. And one of them says that if they had all of this money, that they would buy a huge house. They would leave this little rental apartment. They would quit their job. They would have a huge house with sprawling gardens and pools. Let's have an indoor and an outdoor pool. We can swim in any season. And actually, like maybe even a summer and a winter home would be nice. And you know what? A boat. Always wanted a boat. I would totally love a boat. Definitely getting the Ferrari that I've always wanted. Just more is more is more. The fantasy is rich. It's lush. It's got lots of things. And this person is excited. They're like, you know, to have it all is to have it all. So this is freedom right? Like the freedom to be like, wow, I can drive anything I want. I can take my boat out whenever I want. I can go swimming whenever I want. I can throw parties, have gardens. It'll all be beautiful. And the other person thinks like they said, they, well, like, why would you buy a huge home? You already hate cleaning. Like that's a lot more to clean. Like all I hear is <laughs> you complaining about cleaning your apartment. You can barely keep that clean. And that uh, first person will say like, oh, no, silly. Like, obviously, I wouldn't be cleaning this myself because if you have all this wealth and you have this giant house, like, you don't clean it yourself. You have staff. You have people there to clean it. So that's fine. And like, what about the pools? Same thing. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I hire a company. I hire a person. We have pool people and they take care of all the pool. I don't have to touch the pool. What about the gardens? You know, there's constant upkeep with a garden. It's like weeding, watering, harvesting, especially when you have large sprawls of land with like, it's not just, you know, the little patch in front of your house or the the few containers on your balcony in your condo or your apartment. Well, no problem. Okay, we'd hire gardeners. That's all, you know, and, you know, the boat, obviously, <laughs> more services to require, more maintenance, more people that you need in your corner. Um, and it just goes on and on. All of these things require work, more and more staff. But managing staff is work. And keep in mind that this person is like stressed out about their like job where they're dealing and managing people all day, right? Now, when you're working with people, I mean, gosh, we know this. We watch like bloopers, like humans make mistakes. They make mistakes all the time. We're, we're goofy. We're weird. Um, even on the best day, we can do really weird things and like drop balls, but also sometimes really serious things happen that are outside of our control. And we're dealing with all of those things. And sometimes the, you know, the aquarium doesn't get cleaned because someone's crying on the floor, whatever. Okay. <laughs> are you glad that I'm having a good time? <laughs> 
I am. Um, so the friend, you know, hears all of this stuff and the friend is like, it sounds like you'll be working even harder than you are now, like even with all of this staff, right? So is this actually more? Is this actually freedom? You know, this person's imagining this life about, I'd be free to quit my job. I'd be free to not deal with people. But then they're like, they've got a lot of things that require maintenance, that they're not really imagining that, right? When they imagine the fantasy, they're imagining themselves enjoying the boat, enjoying the Ferrari, enjoying their, you know, whatever it is that they've got. And they're not thinking about what it costs to maintain those choices. So, you know, this little silly example, this isn't about like what you should or shouldn't want. This, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things or even choosing those things. I'm bringing attention to thinking about what are you actually choosing? Because if this person thought they were choosing freedom, they they might be, but they not in the way that they think, right? You know, so these things take money to maintain and to sustain. Money is a currency. Currency is a form of energy. So if they were thinking about like getting serious and go, okay, this is my big dream. So like, how much money do I need so that I can live this life this way? Um... So they might think about, you know, how much they currently make. And um, if they want the house and the boat and the horse and the whatever, (laughs) did I mention a horse? I don't know. All the things. They might do the math and figure, okay, I need this X amount of dollars. Well, how many years is it going to take to make that money? Or how many projects at a really like high, like amount of revenue from those projects? Like how much is that going to take? Um, are is your earning potential such where like you'd need to go back to school and pay money and then go back and then whatever and like make more money to get there there's just going to be a lot to even consider is that worth it right like do you want to do all of that to get to that place and again you might okay i'm not saying there's anything wrong with what this person's doing um so there's the there's the getting of the things but then there's the maintaining of that life What is it annually to maintain all of those things this person is dreaming of? How much is that every five years? You know, what about emergency funds? What about, what does it cost to heat these, these houses, these pools? What does it cost, cost to water these lawns and these gardens and whatever? Paying the staff, considering their well-being, all of those things and taking good care of the things you have. You know, didn't they want to leave their job? of dealing with people all day? Didn't they want to enjoy themselves and have freedom? So the question is, is this the best way to get it? And if this energy, this money currency energy was not directed at maintaining and sustaining all of these things, this lifestyle, where might it go instead? You know, the years of building it and then all that it requires to... Um, to sustain it. If sustainability was a top guiding value in how these people would use their new wealth, so they are imagining of having like, you know, more than they've ever had before. And what if they were dreaming in like, what would really bring me freedom? What would really um, bring me joy? What would be easy to sustain? Because it's not just in you know, out of your pocket, it's also on your mind. You have to think about these things. You have to remember these things or 
hire and communicate with someone who's thinking of these things and maintaining these things. So a much smaller example is like kitchen gadgets, right? So like, you know, you there's lots of great kitchen gadgets, some really fun things. I know some people really love them and some people don't care for them. Um, Neato. There's so many, so many things. If you want it, it's probably out there. Okay. So, you know, there, you could have like a different device to chop something or it just chops one particular kind of food, or it has all these attachments or uh, it stores or washes, or there's like, like a bag, like there's so many things. Um, so instead of like where you used to use a knife, now you might have a special cucumber chopper that is especially for cucumbers and it does really special fancy things with cucumbers and it's so easy to clean because it comes apart in five easy pieces and you can just wash those pieces and it's so easy to store because there's a special wall mount for your cucumber chopper and you can put it there where you can see it and it's great. But you know what was easier to clean and store? Your old knife. (laughs) I can guarantee you a lot easier to clean and store. Just that little knife that you had that also chops other things. Here is a note from our sponsor. (laughs) It's actually from me. (laughs) About our sponsor. Um, Techcoven.com. So we were just talking about knives. Knives are like little tiny swords and swords on a tarot card represent the element of air, which represents the realm of thought and ideas. And uh, if you're not familiar with the tarot deck, the 10 of swords is a particular doozy of a card. It's like, there's basically like um, a person laying on the ground, kind of in the fetal position. And there are 10, so there's no blood, but there are 10 swords totally through the person just all over there like a porcupine of swords of 10 swords and um the artwork on this in the modern witch tarot deck is so good it's like this um it's based on this traditional drawing of the 10 of swords but it's got sort of like a modern day woman and she's curled up and she's kind of like half-assed like looking at her cell phone (laughs) and the um the artist who did the art for the modern rich tarot deck lisa sterl uh swapped out just for funsies she swapped out the words ten of swords and it says everything is fine it's such a great (laughs) image (laughs) and uh, i like that it brings humor to a pretty intense card and um I have no affiliation with the Modern Witch Tarot deck, but if you love the illustrations there, she does sell prints, including that everything is fine print, which is pretty fabulous. Um, Techcoven.com is where you can go to treat yourself to a gift of a tarot card reading by Allison. I love, uh, I was having coffee with her today. We were actually doing sort of like a study hall um, game where I would like, we had the deck shuffled between us. And then I picked up one and held it facing her so I couldn't see. So she would describe the meanings of the card and I had to guess which card it was. It was really fun. Um, (laughs) Like nerds. But yes, it was very, very fun. We went through the whole deck. Um, Yeah. Anyways. um, So Allison 
sees tarot as more of a mirror than a predictor, which is why she uses it as part of her self-care practices. Uh, It's a wonderful way to reflect. She has a fabulous perspective and a lot of wisdom. I was very impressed with her uh, activity today during our tarot reading game. Um, Techcoven.com, head on over there. There's a variety of readings, different price points, including uh, a brand new reading for the whole year of 2020, which is a really beautiful thing to do for yourself or for others. So you can find her over there and every episode of The Soft Shoulder is brought to you by techcoven.com. Thank you so much. So from knives to swords, back to like the cucumber chopper versus knife situation of the kitchen, what uh, obviously you can tell Uh, If you love kitchen gadgets, power to you. If you have room to store them, great. If they bring you joy, I think that is in um, uh, when people ask if it's useful, like joy is useful. So I am on board with that. What I like to ask in terms of this whole good design uh, conversation is what problem is this solving? You know, like, am I having a problem cutting cucumbers right now? No, I just cut them with a knife. (laughs) I don't have a problem. So if I was like given this cucumber chopper, I would be like, uh, unless I just really love the idea of the gadget and using it as a toy, um, it's not actually helping me. It's, you know, a bigger thing to store. It's an extra thing to look to clean. It's like, you know, it's it's just it's not solving a problem. I don't have a problem. I have a knife (laughs) already. you know, so, and I think a lot about like, what am I maintaining? So sometimes we're that person who, you know, bought all the things, the boat, the horses, the aquarium, and, you know, we need to maintain them, the kitchen gadgets, whatever. Um, we don't revisit the choice. Like we might just have, you know, we bought the gadget, we got the things, we have the house, we have the boat. And this is just part of our life now is maintaining all these things. We don't revisit these, these choices. We don't ask what problem this is solving because we don't need to until we do until something happens to change our ability to maintain those things so that might be like a shift in your budget where suddenly it's like oh I used to be able to afford maintaining this thing this membership to somewhere and now I'm taking a job doing something really cool but without the financial fluidity that I once had and so now I have to reassess you know that's one example or just a loss a health crisis is a big one any kind of big shift where we are forced to evaluate and take stock of what we can and cannot maintain and sustain But what about when we don't have any crisis or checkpoint to force us into this questioning? Like, does it matter? Um, Maybe not. (laughs) But this is something that I really love to look at because why wait for the crisis, right? Um, You know, I think I mentioned in another episode how people said to me that they you know, when I was talking to them about what it was taking and what I needed to be disciplined and devoted to as I heal from this brain injury. And there are a lot of things that appeal to people like taking more time for yourself, uh, doing less, uh, resting more, prioritizing sleep. I know that these are aspirational things on people's to-do lists that, you know, they're not making space for in their lives. And so it's like, oh, like, you know, you're lucky that you have this brain injury to, to, you know, like help you with these things. But 
you know, you know, and yeah, saying no was a big one, right? Like me just having a lot more no's in my life because I just had to, um, you know, but as I said, I forget which episode it was, but you know, you don't have to wait until a health crisis to start saying no. You don't have to wait until you have a health crisis to start prioritizing your sleep. You don't have to do that. You can choose at any time. And in fact, just the accumulative habits of like strain and stress and doing too much and taking on too many things and juggling all these balls in the air, um, it makes you a little less agile when you do go through a change, right? You've got a lot of things to juggle. So bringing this like, you know, I started way out there with like dreaming about like a lottery win to like a gadget in the kitchen. And now we're coming to us, to us as people and inside self-awareness. So getting to know and love you as you grow and change and evolve in that love. This is the role I see self-awareness playing in my self-marriage, in this relationship that we have with ourselves. It is important And what's important is that it's a practice. It's not something that you get to know someone, you get to know yourself, and then you're like, well, I know them and it's done. I strongly believe that we are always evolving and that we thrive around the opportunity to shake up what we believe in about ourselves. You know, if I see myself as a fixed person, it's a fixed mindset, it's not a growth mindset, and I'm really limiting in myself, how I see myself, how I see the world, how I see what I'm capable of, what I dream of, how I treat people, the relationships I get involved in. It does impact everything. I like to constantly get to know myself. Who am I today? I'm always reinventing. I'm always shifting just slightly. You know, we do this with small children because we don't know them yet or we don't believe we know them yet. So as they're developing, We're noticing, oh, look, they hold this crayon in this hand. Oh, look, they switched hands. They're using both hands. That's interesting. Oh, they love raspberries. Oh, that's funny. They also love blueberries and they really dislike this. This is their favorite toy. That used to be their favorite toy. We're anticipating all of these shifts and we're paying attention, getting to know. We want to know this creature. But what we forget is that we are still doing that. We are still doing that all the time. It's our belief that we are fixed that fixes us. So self-awareness, getting to know and love yourself. Now, how are these things related to the (laughs) the long-winded story about the guy in the boat or whatever? Um, We take on things. We're going to look at, you know, where I was talking about money to sustain and maintain something. Let's shift that money into what it what it is, but to energy and attention, a currency, energy, attention. And what is it that you are maintaining in your life? What is it that you are sustaining in your life that requires energy to do so? You might be surprised. And I don't mean, you know, your salad spinner. I mean, (laughs) your thoughts, your practices, how you spend your time, who you spend your time with. Just because you've done something once, it doesn't mean you ever need to do it again. If you try something and you liked it, like, oh, I just tried, you know, uh, what's that Frisbee game? 
ultimate frisbee <laughs> whatever i just tried ultimate frisbee that was fun you don't ever need to do it again just because you like it doesn't mean you need to do it again and just because you've done something a few times that doesn't mean that it's something that you always do it doesn't have to become a tradition if you hang out with someone a few Sundays in a row, that doesn't sign you up for every Sunday from here on out. And, you know, just because something has been a tradition, a legit tradition that's been around maybe all of your lifetime, maybe even before that, it doesn't mean that that needs to keep being a tradition. You can opt out. We can't just keep adding things to our life right? I spoke at the beginning about like, you know, time being this, you know, limited resource. And, you know, we can't add more days to the calendar. We can't add more hours to the day. We can change our perspective and our experience of time and get experimental with it that way. But to just simplify things, there's a certain amount of lunches that you're going to have in a week, right? So if you start being like, oh, on Thursdays, I have lunch with so-and-so. Friday, I have lunch with so-and-so. You could just book yourself solid that you're never, ever having just a random lunch by yourself or you're never, ever having the flexibility to have lunch elsewhere, right? You don't have to keep doing this. You can't keep sustaining and maintaining everything. So you can opt out of anything, small, big, whatever you can. And also just because you opt out of something for a while, it doesn't mean that you can't ever go back. It doesn't mean that you can't reintroduce it. You can take three years off of celebrating Christmas with your family. (laughs) I'm not saying there aren't going to be impacts and consequences to these things. But, you know, okay, so you can decide to do that. That doesn't mean that you're saying you're never going to celebrate with your family again. You might just take three years off. This is not an all or nothing thing. It takes energy to sustain and maintain things. Your energy is precious. Your energy is powerful. This is your power. This is what powers you. This is what powers your love, your contribution, your attention in your life. So you can take a break. You can ask yourself instead of like, oh, what do I need to do? What do I need to do more of? What do I need to add? What am I going to introduce to my morning routine? What can you take off of this list? Instead of like thinking about 2020 and all the goals that you have, yes, have goals, not against goals, (laughs) love goals. I invite you to ask what you can remove entirely from 2020. What can you just take off, right? Because if you think about it, a lot of people have like, they add goals every year or, you know, resolutions, something they're going to make a commitment to. But how much energy do you have? How much space do you have? How much time do you have? How much ability do you have to pay attention and and maintain and sustain all the things? Make space. What pressures can you excuse yourself from? What solved a problem at some point 
when you ask that question, like what problem is this solving? It solved a problem, but that problem actually isn't there anymore. Maybe you don't need to maintain it anymore. Edit. Edit ruthlessly. Edit with so much fierce love. Edit like you've got a sword and you can wield it so masterfully and you are just just taking out everything in your path that doesn't need to be there. You can eliminate all the non-essentials. And you can do this just to see. I'm inviting you into this. This is something that I enjoy. This is something I spend a lot of time thinking about. I connect this very deeply with my relationship with myself, especially in this place of healing. I think a lot about energy. I think a lot about what's essential and not essential. I think about that commitment I made to myself uh, 18 and a half years ago to love and honor myself above all things, before all things. And so what am I filling this space with? What am I cluttering up this dance floor with? Dance floor is a really good metaphor for this because, you know, you could walk into a room and just be like, oh, it's empty. It needs furniture. But it doesn't if it's a dance floor. If it's a dance floor, it is perfect. It's not meant to be filled. Not every space is meant to be filled. It's for you to move through. So when I invite you into this uh, way of thinking, into this mindset, into trying this on, you can do this just to see, just to see if you like it, just to see what that dance floor is like. You might not want a dance floor. Have it there for a little while. See what happens when you move through empty spaces. See what happens when you have room in the morning and you haven't filled it right to the last second. Sometimes, you know, when we take things away just for a little while and then we reintroduce them, we realize that we either missed them greatly or that we didn't really need them at all. You know, I know this uh, happens sometimes accidentally and sometimes on purpose where people are decluttering or moving and they have a bunch of stuff in boxes. Maybe some boxes get delayed opening or they get lost somewhere. And then you open up those boxes. And I've heard many stories of people saying, I didn't even remember what was in there. I didn't miss those things. But if you'd asked them before, if they should keep them, they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need these. I need these. But then when they just disappeared, they didn't even remember them. They didn't miss them. They cut their cucumbers just fine (laughs) with the knife they had. And they actually didn't need, they didn't have problems that needed solving. So you can literally do this. You can actually like fill a box with some stuff, make some room, label it, put it away and see if like in six months, if there's anything that you like feel like you missed or like that you want to go in there and get it. Um, or you could just free the whole box. Now, a word of advice, if you've read uh, Marie Kondo's book and her tidying method, uh, she tells a great story about when she was a kid and how she um, did this uh, for someone else. She did this for her family where she went into the closet and she 
noticed that her family members had a lot of things and this bothered her as a young budding organizer. So she would move things to the back of the closet and she monitored how much dust was building on it. <laughs> and uh, to see if people were actually going to miss these things. And she put a time limit on it. And it was like, well, my brother or whoever hasn't touched this because I can tell from the dust. They haven't touched this in whatever many months. And then she got rid of it. Okay, don't do that. Only do these things with your things. <laughs> don't get help people by getting rid of their things. They're not your things. And just like that with physical items, this isn't about everyone else. Look at your life. Look at your habits. Um, I um, Like if everyone is sending out holiday cards and they always have and you used to, it's not about whether they should or shouldn't. You don't have to. Even if they send them to you, you don't have to send any back. You can just decide you're not doing that this year and say thanks for the people who send them to you. So you just focus on you and what works for you. This is a, a beautiful, editing is a really lovely way to just eliminate and like you're creating by um, eliminating things. You're creating by destruction. You're revealing what's underneath this. Seeing what you can live without with less, but maybe better. And you're the one who gets to decide these things. Um, I forget, I think this quote is, from a famous artist, but I actually remember it from a joke book, an elephant joke book. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did have that book. Uh, it was a bunch of terrible elephant jokes I got a, at a book fair, I think in elementary school. And I remember one of them was, how do you sculpt an elephant? And it was like, I don't know if you, you get the, you remove all the parts of the clay that don't look like an elephant. So, you know, eliminating things having a to don't list, having a list of things that you are taking off your list. It's a wonderful way to reveal who you are. This is a wonderful way to get to know who you are now, who you are becoming. You can see this as an act, not of just decluttering and minimizing and getting things done, but as an act of intimacy, removing all the parts that don't look like an elephant, removing all of the things that are no longer you. Who is there? Who is still underneath it all? When you put things in a box, when you take things off your list, when you stop, you know, being a member of that club, who are you? You're still here. Self-love especially, I think, um, because there's such a culture of busyness. It is so important and loving to remove things instead of making self-love another chore. Like, oh, I read that, you know, bubble baths are really great and I really should, you know, make time to journal and all this kind of stuff. And then you have this list of things that you're calling shoulds and it doesn't feel loving for where you are right now because maybe where you are right now is needing less but better And you are worth this to simplify is to honor your worth. It doesn't need to be filled. Have that dance floor there for the option of dancing, not to force you to dance or to prove that you deserve the dance floor. Let it be empty so you could gaze upon the dance floor. 
It's beautiful. Who are you underneath it all? Who are you with less things on that list? Who are you without what you're doing? You know, when people ask you, how are you? And you say busy. That doesn't answer the question. You are someone worth loving. It all starts with you. I invite you to liberate yourself with what is left of the year of 2019 and think about 2020. Should you feel inspired to, what can you remove? What can you free yourself of? What can you release, take away, say no to? Where can you have breathing room? Where can you have dancing room? You might discover that you are a dancer. After all this time, your dance floor might have been filled with furniture, filled with other things, filled with other identities. And maybe there was no room to dance until now. Will you do something weird with me? Will you just like, Put your hand out as though you're waiting for someone to place something in the palm of your hand. You got it? Your hand is out? Great. Okay, now imagine that someone has placed a smooth egg-shaped stone. It's like heavy and smooth and it feels just so satisfying and so lovely in the center of your palm. I want you to feel the weight of it. Feel how good it feels that it's heavy and substantial and smooth and earthy and lovely. Feel how that feels in your hand. That stone (laughs) is my appreciation for you. I want you to really feel it. How grateful I am that you are here listening. And I really wish you all the best, whatever you need, whatever you need as you finish up 2019. And I look forward to speaking with you more soft shoulder episodes to come in 2020. I am so excited about this year and all that we will share together. Have a wonderful rest of December. Take good care and we'll talk to you soon.